0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 677 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Thursday. And joining me, a favorite of the program, the man of the people, uh, one of the most prominent Hawks fans I know, Tyler Jones is here. What's up, man? Uh,
1: Not the Hawks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put that. Uh, So, Tyler, you know, we talk every so often on this podcast. We talk a lot more than that off this podcast, but uh, I feel like it was a good good time to check in with you. A lot has happened. Obviously, the Hawks are are not playing all that well at the moment, although they did win a game this week that I was at in Charlotte and actually played well in that game, but, uh, mean they the, played
1: well the next game too.
0: They did for most of it, uh, in, on Tuesday in Miami. And I, I want to start, I kind of start there actually. So the last two nights before today, they, they compete really well in Miami. They, they should have won the game. They didn't win the game. They get blown out in overtime. And then there was the Lloyd Pierce stuff and the not timeout and the Trey Young tweets and all that's everything, everything that happened on Tuesday, they followed it up with Wednesday. And, uh, you know they were again competitive for about a quarter and 3 quarters almost almost the whole first half
1: hold hold on hold on can i can i stop you Go I, ahead. I just want are, are we talking about the Trey young tweet when he tweeted well uh you know
0: nah, i don't know the whole, the whole thing because you know people sort of latched on to his post game comments which i which i thought were fine like i thought he was annoyed but rightfully so so i was fine with it but people you know, were bothered, I guess, by that. And then he had the whole. Uh, there was the whole. Um, this is over thing uh, that he said during the game, which I thought again was not a big deal, but it became kind of a big deal. I don't know. A lot of things happened on Tuesday. Well,
1: I, <laughs> I was just gonna say the well, the well, like the tweet was in response to his game over, and yeah, then the I, game- thought, I thought so too. I, th- I thought so. Over. I thought so too. I wanted no- to make sure. It- yeah, it-, it had nothing to do with uh, Lloyd Pierce, even though he know he made a mistake, man. <laughs> ah, killing me. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not a gambler. Side note, because I'd be so pissed oh, oh, annoyed right
0: now. I forgot to say this on the podcast that night, and you know I always track this stuff. But the Hawks didn't cover the spread that night, which is the craziest thing. Like, if you are, you know, they were like a nine point underdog, something like that, uh, in that game. If you're up six with a minute to go, and you're getting nine, and you don't cover, like that's an all time bad beat. And I, I actually forgot to mention it, but it was it was horrible.
1: There's less, There's like four possessions left in the game, and you're up six points. Uh, that that should be an automatic win. It like was. That. It was. It was bad. Uh, so I mean, me... <laughs> no, no. But I, I, let, let me just talk about this cause yeah, let's do it. Lawyer Pierce should have called timeout. Yes, that's frankly obvious. Uh, he he even Trae, said so. <laughs> yeah, he said so. You take Trey Young out, um, for offensive defensive purposes. The second they make that three pointer, you have to bring Trey Young back into the game because I mean this. This team cannot function without Trey Young as the focal point on offense. Kevin Herter has done a pretty good job, but like Herter, like there, there were a lot of issues. Like I, I just want to break it down bit by bit. And let's start with the first one. There is no reason the Hawks should have gave up a three pointer at all. The heat should not have gotten a single clean look at a three point shot. The last minute of the game that can't happen like up, that.
0: Up six. The, yes. You're absolutely up
1: right. Up six. Defensive guys are in the game. Like that, that was a mental breakdown on there, on the guys on the floor, like flat out, you know, I have my quibbles with Vince Carter being in the game, but you know, Cam Reddy should have been in. Well, the reason, and by the way, the reason,
0: the reason Vince is in the game, you would imagine, and I, I am with you on this. I said the same thing that night. He shouldn't have been in the game, but the reason he's in the game is to not screw up like that. That's the one defense for Vince is that, you know, he's limited physically right now, all that stuff, but in theory, the reason you want them on the court is to communicate and make sure you execute, and they did not execute at all.
1: They didn't execute, and like there's like dunk. I mean, they didn't execute all game on defense. A lot of the issues were defensive breakdowns uh, on the perimeter. Where you can't, you just can't give up 3 point attempts to Duncan Robinson like that. That can't happen. Uh, and they give up a clean, wide open look to Duncan there, and that like that flat out shouldn't happen. Lloyd should have called a timeout. He didn't. The person who's supposed to be inbounding the ball there is Kevin Herter. Herter brain farts, runs down the court. Lloyd Pierce, you can see Lloyd is screaming at Kevin to get the ball. And then, of course, you know, the Heat, because they're a smart basketball team filled with veterans who know how to play basketball, know how to win in this league, you know, deny Kevin Herter the ball because they know he's the only guy who can do anything with the ball in his hands. And so we got now a dead possession because. Bemery can't get the ball to hurt her. There's literally nobody else on the floor you trust with the ball in her hands. And, you know, Bemery throws up some garbage and it gets swatted by Derrick Jones. And like, you know, then they come down the court and Vince Carter doesn't execute. He gives up an open like he gives up a three pointer like where where it's like, yo, Vince, you have to force. You have to make Jimmy Butler beat you off the dribble. Like you have to close out on him hard make him into a driver, and get if you give up a layup there, you give up a layup, you're still up one with, like, what, less than 30 seconds to go in the game. Like, you you, you still have an advantage. You can't give up an open three-pointer there, period. Like, that can't happen. And, like, that's on Vince. And, I mean, that's been it. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. You know, they, they do get – like, I felt like Hunter got a clean look just – you know, it just didn't go down for him. He airballed it. But, I mean, that that was basically the game. Um, but it, it's just – and it's it's not just this game. There's been a couple games where, where they're in close games and they're not executing the way you would expect the NBA team to execute because, you know, they're a bunch of young guys who don't know how to play winning basketball yet, and that's kind of to be expected. But, I mean, it's just frustrating that they didn't close out – when you're again, when you're up six, the math is overwhelming in your favor that that you should close that game out. Yeah, like you, ba- 90- you basically have
0: to just not completely screw up, and they did three possessions in a row. You know, offensively, like you said, you know, the, the timeout should have happened. All that stuff's been litigated, and we all kind of, we, I think every, everyone basically agrees what should have happened there. Um, but even even if you don't call a timeout at at the beginning of the possession, which they should have done. You could have called it later. Like, you could have called exactly. a live ball timeout, too. Like, once it was clear that they were not in anything that was going to work offensively, you still could have called a timeout. So, that whole thing was a mess. But, I mean, I want to ask you sort of big picture, and we could we can drill down as we want to, but all the stuff about that you just referenced about the, this young team not executing, I totally agree. I'm going to ask you very open-endedly right now, like, how you feel about the way they're playing, because there's a lot of consternation right now about the Hawks losing games, and, you know, I think some of the losses, like Wednesday night was a schedule loss, but they were terrible in that game, obviously. Some of the losses have been kind of brutal, but in the big picture, the big actual big picture, I think I'm not really worried about much that I see right now. Like, I expected them to lose, particularly a lot early in the season, and then you throw in the fact that Collins is not there, and none of the results are stunning i mean some of the blowout losses have been a little bit surprising just how bad it's been but i'll ask you as a close observer of this whole situation like how are you feeling as a fan or someone who observes right now because i can always kind of just be detached and it lets me be a little bit more even keeled on um, both high and low than most people are so how how are you actually taking all of this right now at 6 and 19.
1: oh just well you know frustrated i guess would be the word and it's because of Trey Young's excellence like he's been too good um and i, I don't i don't know how else to describe it like if this was a better basketball team like with you know guys who knew how to play in this league and you know they could win Trey Young would be like getting top 5 mvp mvp battles. that's that's a level of offensive production he's giving the hawks at the moment like he's these are mvp caliber numbers Um, You know he's not he wouldn't win MVP. He's not close to um, guys like Giannis Giannis's level at the moment or Anthony Davis. Uh, But you know he's playing at he's playing at an overwhelmingly high level on the offense. That they should be better if the rest of the team was better. But like it's a it's a like these large blowouts are happening flat out because the Hawks just don't have that many NBA players on their team let alone good ones, like, they they just don't have, you know, the roster talent. Um, they got a lot, like, there's three guys on this roster who are on here just for their salary cap, you know, for salary cap reasons. Like, they're not here for their talent, you know, uh, and they, they don't have depth. Like, and they've been hurt. They've missed some guys. You know, again, Collins has been out. They're second, probably their best, you know, either their best or second best player on their team, depending on how you value Uh, You know, Collins' defense relative to Trey Young's. um, But, you know, that's, it's just been brutal. Like, they, this is not a team constructed to win basketball games. And even still, Trey Young is playing at such an overwhelmingly high level that it's frustrating that they're losing in this way. Uh, That said, you know, they, it's not like they aren't playing hard. They're still playing hard, except for one guy, we'll talk about him. (laughs) <laughs> uh they're playing hard. They're just not executing. They're not executing like on either end of the floor. They're just not executing the game plan. They're they're starting to get it together on offense um slowly, especially with Herder back now. He's helped tremendously just with his playmaking even more than his shooting. Um uh, he's helped out a ton. But, you know, on defense they just I mean they they they're getting nothing from the four and like it's hard to win in this league if you don't have if you have one weak link on defense and he's a big, like it, you're just not going to get stops. Like that's just that's just the truth. Unless you have an overwhelmingly overwhelming force, like a Joel Embiid or a Rudy Gobert at center, like you're just not going to get stops consistently. So that that you know, it's it's a roster issue. We you know we knew this this team had roster concerns. The the frustration comes in simply with how well Trae Young is playing, regardless. Like it's not as if. He's had help on offense. Like, nobody can shoot except for Herder, apparently. Yeah. And he's still killing it.
0: Yeah. I I want to get into that a little bit, too, as we go on. But I I totally agree on, on Trey. I mean, objectively, he's been one of the 10 best offensive players in the NBA this season. Like, and that's not like, that's not really arguable. I mean, even the advanced numbers. Um, if you don't, if you, even if you didn't, if you, if you didn't buy the points and assists and just as the raw stats, which I don't know why you wouldn't, he's been incredibly efficient. And all the advanced numbers will tell you that he's, again, one of the 10 best offensive players in the league this season. So I agree with you. Like if you, if you told me that before the year, first of all, I would have said you're probably a little bit too aggressive because I did not see this coming from Trey Young. Um, he's been incredible. So, but the second thing I want to said is, you know, if you tell me that's possible or even likely, the Hawks should have more wins than this. For sure. And that's why it becomes frustrating because he has been so good offensively in particular. But your, your point about the roster is right. I mean, something we've been saying all all along. You said it. I've said it. Other people have said it before the season started. Like, they couldn't afford to be without John Collins. That's very obvious. We knew that before the season started. Like, we talked about this on the, on the podcast. Like, Trey and Collins are just so indispensable in different ways. And Collins even defensively now. Like, I, I've been a, a long skeptic of his defense. But with the way he was playing early in the season... Even his defense has been a huge loss for this team. Like, there's just nothing that you can even talk about it, otherwise. So it's a roster issue. I totally agree with you, and that's why I don't get too upset about it right now because we kind of just saw this coming. They're playing a lot of young guys, execution-wise. Trey's been awesome, but and like you said, Kevin Herter, once he came, once he's coming back, the offense looks like the offense is supposed to look now for the most part. Particularly if you're starting to envision what it will, like, what it will resemble with John Collins in the lineup. But the offense has been. Not good, but closer to league average over the last couple of weeks. The defense is a disaster. I mean, the the defense is actually, since, since Collins got suspended, which is most of the season now, they're dead last in defense. Like, that's... It's kind of hard to be worse than Washington defensively, but the Hawks have managed to pull that off, which is... I can't believe I'm even saying that out loud, because the Wizards are, like, actively not playing defense, not even trying to play defense, and playing a bunch of one-way lineups, and the Hawks have somehow been worse than that. So... You can't win with this defense. There's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing Trey can do about that. Like if you're going to play defense at a, a worse than the league rate, you're just not going to win games. But it's just important to keep that stuff in mind. Like should they have a, another another win, uh, another win or two? Yeah, they should. But even if you want to be rosy about it, could they have, you know, more than two or three more wins? Probably not. It's just the way this is supposed to work right now. They're not Once you talk about Collins and we won't do a whole Collins deep dive now, but once that was the case, we knew it was going to be a long stretch of 25 games. Like it was, I think you even said it probably just a frustration, but also to to the truth that it pretty much ended the season for the Hawks. Like it kind of did in terms of competitive. Thought,
1: I thought they could compete just a little bit more with how well Trey was playing even early on yeah. in the season, as long as Herder was there, but then Herder you know, missed the same amount of time. So it's well, just once like... you're
0: once you're without two of your three best players, like you can't, on a team that was already not going to be very good, you you just can't afford to be without two of those guys. I know Herder is back now, but he missed what eleven games. They want they went one in ten, I think. You know what are you going to do? It's just one of those situations where you just can't afford. And even you know again, I was I was a proponent of this during that stretch that the schedule was brutal early. Even even if they were at full strength, the schedule was going to be awful early on. They were not going to win a lot of games early, even if they were at full strength. But once you got once those guys go out, you know what are you going to do? It's kind of where I am on this whole thing. Would it be nice if they were more competitive recently? Absolutely, and I think that's where you get into the Lloyd Pierce stuff, because I think the fan base is kind of turning Lloyd, which I wanted to ask you about, which I'm not really sure why. I guess I understand it from Tuesday, because we both agree he messed up, but there's this whole segment now that thinks Lloyd Pierce is a bad coach because of this, and I just don't understand that. I really don't. Like, It's it's a roster issue.
1: Yeah, and he's also doing his job. Uh, You know, Schlein gave him a roster, wasn't you know, wins and losses really aren't the concern of this organization. It's more about player development and, you know, for I I can say I've seen, you know, positive growth from all the guys, including like the rookies, except for one. Uh, Damian <laughs> Jones. Dam, like Damian Jones Damian Jones has made some strides on defense. He has gone yes. from a complete, complete corn cob, not like just like getting not getting any rebound not being in position not contesting shots to okay he start he's now failing the right way right where he's contesting shots he's still fouling a ton but he's in the right place now when he contests a shot he immediately looks for his man and puts a body on him so he can't get a you know a hand on the basketball so they can you know the team can grab a defensive rebound like he's been better um recently he's playing some you know, quality basketball, and he, and he does some interesting stuff um, on that end of the floor. Um, Alex Lynn has remembered that, you know, he's good at basketball. Uh, <laughs> he
0: has been pretty good lately.
1: Yeah, so that's that's been a positive sign. And uh, But, the, I mean, the problem is that the issue is they're getting nothing defensively at the four for 48 minutes. Uh, it's Jabari Parker that, or Vince Carter, and, like, flat out Vince Carter shouldn't be playing anymore like he's just not a, if he's not making shots I mean that Heat game, the Heat game really um, boils down to after the first quarter where he made three threes, Vince Carter was just killing them because he wasn't making shots, he wasn't making the right reads on offense and on defense he was just getting ate alive and it's like that's been the story of the season like uh, you know they're barely surviving with Jabari Parker's defense and then you downgrade from Jabari Parker to Vince Carter. And it's like, well, you're not going to get a stop with, you know, Vince on the floor. doesn't matter who who else is with him. So that's, you know, it's been – it's frustrating. But, you know, hopefully Vince can turn it around on offense. But, I mean, at his age, I don't know.
0: No, I mean, it's very possible – and I feel bad about this. But it is – it's obviously quite possible that Vince has just done. Which – at 42, you're supposed to be done. So it's not like a shot at Vince. It's just the fact that, you know, he already had shortcomings. But if he doesn't make shots, I will lump in Alan Crabb to the same extent. crab has been making shots lately. He's eight of his last 16 from three. But those two guys are basically only playable when they're making shots. And Crab is a little bit better positionally. And you, you kind of need him a little bit more just for the threat and the spacing. But those are two guys who are essentially specialists. or always close to it. So... They got to make shots, and if they don't, then you're in big trouble. So, I mean, the defensive stuff is what it is. I do want to drill down a little bit, though, but uh, before we get to more co- more topics with Tyler, I want to take a quick break, so hold on tight, listen to the sponsors. We'll, we'll be right back with more. All right, Tyler, um, we're talking about sort of the shortcomings, and I want to ask about shooting. because we, we brought up Vince. Um, the Hawks are dead last in three-point shooting as a team for the full season so far. That is a pretty shocking in some ways, but it's also a reminder that they have not had a lot of shooting on the roster. You know, Crabb and Vince are better shooters than they've been so far. They have been better in December. It's a small sample, but they're up to about 35% in the last couple of weeks, which is more like what they should be doing. They're still taking a bunch of threes, but they're even taking less. Like, last year, they, they were top five in the league in three-point attempts. Um, part of that was having Dwayne Debman and Torian Prince, who were both high-level shooters for their positions that are not on the team anymore. But, I mean, the shooting has been a problem how much of a problem is it moving forward? Because if you look at the roster, her Herder will definitely help. And I think Collins will help as well when he's back, but there aren't a ton of just dynamic shooters. Um, particularly if crab and men are not making shots.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the three point attempts thing is, is interesting because the attempts have gone up recently since herders came back. Um, you know, they're, they're firing up them up again, um, like they did last season. So we'll, we'll see if that trend continues or not. But, uh, you know the shooting can also be related to the fact that they're missing John Collins on offense as well. Like just his gravity. Um, you know Jabari. Jabari did a pretty good job of you know mimicking what John Collins does, but he doesn't have the same impact um, as a for, as a lob threat. Um, you know towards the rim on these pick and rolls. Like he does. He just doesn't play with that level of force without the ball in his hands. So you know they they've missed John on that front uh the other stuff you know they they just got to make shots like you know Cam Reddick's got to make some shots and he's starting he's starting to get into a nice little rhythm hopefully he can keep up his confidence level and, and that can continue uh from 3 uh DeAndre Hunter's uh, figured something out as a pick and pop guy uh where he's got you know he, he's a solid shooter he's not a great a great one but uh he's been he's been pretty decent for a rookie in that regard but they you know they they kind of just need crab to make some shots they need vince carter to make some shots and neither of those guys are doing it at the moment and you know with their negative defensive value it's killing them but um i don't know it's tough you know a lot all all the hawks woes are tough to judge without somebody as dynamic as john collins on the floor because they I mean it's so obvious they're missing him in so many different areas of the floor. <laughs> yes they are. Like it, it it's just it's crippling. Um and you know it Jabari Parker, you know, bless him, he's playing well, but he's he's playing too much, right? Like he's he's not as good as a shooter as John is at the moment, um and you know you're not getting spacing from Jabari, you're not getting spacing from either of your centers and like you were last season and it's kind of made life difficult for Trey where you can correlate that these turnovers are just due to the fact that you know the shooting's not there like Trey has to Trey has to always operate in traffic and that's not that's not what the Hawks want but that's just the situation that they're in at the moment until you know Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter prove to be better shooters and that than what they've been this season
0: yeah I mean I, I think that it's a credit to Trey, number one, that he's been able to stay efficient on his own with the lack of spacing because he's shooting the heck out of the ball in his own right. And that's what worries me a little bit more is that Trey has shot the heck out of it and it still has not helped the numbers as a full team. <laughs> it's not his fault at all. But man, um, it kind of just tells you how bad everybody else has been, that Trey has been shooting better than we thought he was going to shoot as a full baseline. And it still hasn't pulled everybody's numbers up. But your point about Jabari is a good one. Like Jabari not, was not supposed to be the 30-minute-a-night guy, guy. Like He was very good early on in his more secondary role. And I think that's probably what he is. Um, Given his defensive limitations, we should say, um, he's not a starting power forward on a good team. He's just probably not that. And he isn't supposed to be on this team. John Collins is supposed to be that guy. And if you can play a switch center, Collins is also the only small ball center that you can play. I mean, the Hawks have tried to play Jabari at the five to try to get offense only at the end of, at the end of games, but it just, it just, it just can't work. You can't do that. So that's one of the other things that about Collins that, you were talking about how much they miss him. This is a smaller thing, but the Hawks can't play small right now. And those are lineups that are really good on offense. You would imagine because they don't really have, you know, a lot of teams in the NBA have these small ball apps they can go to. And without John, they don't have a way to do that at least effectively. And they only do and, it when they have when they absolutely have to try to make up a lead when they're when they're trailing, and it ends up kind of not working out more than, more often than not.
1: Yeah, and those lineups also aren't scoring because Jabari, you know. Jabari can't score over a big guy. Like, he needs to be able to bully smaller fours in the league, which is what his role was coming off the bench. But as a start, like, especially at small ball five, he can't really take advantage of, you know, the big centers in this league because the jumper hasn't been there for him. And so, like, he has to finish over length, and that's not something that he's particularly good at, whereas, you know, John is a better shooter, for one. And two... He's just more athletic so he can finish over, you know, those guys in ways that Jabari simply can't. Like, you're not getting that vertical spacing from Jabari as a small ball five. And, like, that, you know, that vertical aspect matters. And that's what that's what the Hawks are missing from their small ball units on offense. Defensively, it goes without saying. Jabari is just not – like, you're just not going to get stops um, if he's your center. And so, yeah, it – I don't know. A lot of a lot. I feel like a lot of his pods just, yeah, they really miss John Collins. So thank <laughs> goodness he's coming back. He'll be back very soon. So. I mean,
0: this is the one thing I wanted to ask you before we move on from shooting. I'm gonna throw the numbers at you right now, and I want I oh, to. I want you to. T- I want you to tell me where this is going to improve because there's some obvious places where it will improve. But Trey's shooting about 38% from three. Herder is at 37% from three. Those seem like reasonable numbers for those guys. Hunter is almost 37%. That's about as good as you can expect him to do right now, I think. He's not an elite shooter, but he's someone who has to be guarded. He's made some shots, and that's a perfectly reasonable number for DeAndre. But everybody else has been bad so far. Alan Crabb, 32%. That's going to rise. He's already heating up a little bit. I'm not really worried about Alan Crabb. Um, Vince Carter, 29%. That's what you can't have for him. It's been a little bit better since since a brutal start. Vince was just not making shots at all the first, like, 10 games, and it's been better since then, but he's going to have to make shots. Then you get to 28% for Jabari, 27% for Cam Reddish, 24% for Deion Membry, and 23% for Alex Lin. Uh Alex Len has turned it on a little bit the last few games. Even Lloyd mentioned that last night. But it would really help if they had a center that could shoot. Damien doesn't have it. They tried it for a little while. He doesn't have it. Uh, and Alex Len couldn't make a shot for the first, you know, 20 games. So, how many of those are you, abs- are you actually worried about? I think the ones for me that I would be a little bit worried about are... Cam would be one, and Vince, because if Vince keeps playing, if it's, if Vince doesn't play, then it doesn't matter. Obviously, I think Jabari is a little bit better than this as a shooter, but he's not someone who's a great shooter. We kind of know that at this point. And Bembry, same thing. Bembry's not kind of not playing, which I want to ask you about as well. But other than Reddish, is there anything to actually worry about here, or is it just like kind of unlucky and you'll get some positive regression from these shooters?
1: Well, I mean, as long as Reddish stops doing the dumb jump hop. I'm confident oh, he he he'll had be one. Better.
0: He had one last night. The, the one that he airballed. His feet. I mean, he had a couple nice makes in the first half, but there was an, a one that he that was an open shot that he airballed. And if you watch the replay, his feet. It's like I don't know how you even got your feet there. I, I don't understand. I, he does these little mechanical things right now that'll just baffle you. Like I, I watched it like five times, and I'm like, how did he get his feet to where they were in the absolute wrong place? I just don't understand. I mean, it's part of that's just being a rookie, but that's why you see the bad misses from Cam. It's not consistent but
1: Yeah, the, his, the, the his, stroke's his foot, fine it's just
0: it's the way foot, it's everything else his
1: footwork isn't consistent it is and not it, and it shows up in really all aspects of his game because when he's i mean he's had some pretty nice finishes too at the same time uh you know and it's when he's under control he's not in a rush and he's reading what the defense is trying to do against him and then he's you know reacting accordingly um it's when he it's when he has a when he has a move preset is when he gets in trouble, but like that, the stupid hop step, I don't, I don't know what, what, what that thing is. Uh, but um, again, Cam is shooting it better recently. So hopefully that will, you know, continue. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confident that Cam will get it together um, as a shooter, just, and especially when John Collins comes back and he's, you know, a lot of these guys are going to shoot a lot better when John is back. That's just how good John is as a rim runner uh, on offense. And so, but, you know, then that goes in, you know, will he, will John have the space to be able to do that, you know, with, without, you know, Dwayne Dedman at center? Um, that's, that's something we're going to have to wait and see. Cause if you remember those first five games, you know, John really didn't get it going offensively primarily because Alex Lynn wasn't making three pointers. And, you know, teams didn't respect, you know, Alex Lynn as a shooter. You know, John didn't have, you know, those lanes as a rim runner. John was doing it as John was scoring most of his shots as a jump shooter instead of, you know, as a, you know, cleanup guy, which is he's probably the best on the team at that. So we'll see. We'll see with a, a lot of this stuff. I just want to see John play, um, you know, Trey Young play with somebody like John Collins instead of what he's been playing with um going forward just so that we can you know reaffirm what we think about this team going forward as a basketball unit but um like I didn't I don't think I really answered your question cuz right. re- like it, but that's the thing I'm not to me spacing isn't the issue isn't so much the problem as <laughs> I'm more I'm more I'm more worried about the consistency factor like Three point shooting is three point shooting. Like that, that comes and goes for every team in the NBA. Like every NBA team goes on three point shooting runs, and they, then they go on slumps. Like I, it's hard. It's hard to project going forward what how that's going to go. The issue with me on offense is, you know, guys not finding their spots. You know, uh, Cam Reddish just, you know, until recently didn't know what to do with the ball in his hands. Didn't know where to go, where to get his offense. DeAndre Hunter, when the shots not going, like he he does a really. The Heat game was a breath of fresh air where he you know took advantage of a mismatch, is uh, when he had a size advantage over Duncan Robinson. You would like to see DeAndre do that with more consistency consistency on a night to night basis because he's he's going to get matched like with how well Trey Young is playing. He's going to get matched up with a weak defender. He has to take advantage. Like he's too big and he has too many rudiment. Like he can he can at least get to the rim and overpower guys. And he has to do that with more consistency. That's what I'm more concerned about than the shooting.
0: Yeah. Um, No, I, I agree with all of, I mean, I was more worried about the shooting as a team than you were before the season started. I'm not, I'm not overly worried about it. I do want to see what it looks like when Colin comes back, but as long as they are taking threes, I actually don't worry as much. You know, I think Reddish is going to make a little bit more of them as the season goes on. We've seen that now, I think Jabari is a little bit better than he's been so far as a shooter. I think Crabb is certainly better. So the numbers are going to rebound a little bit. Unless Trey goes, goes into a slump, which I don't think is going to happen, at least for an extended period of time, the numbers will be fine. Um, they are, they're not, they're not going to be a great shooting team, and it, it is a little bit worse than it was last year in that one category. But with Herter back and Collins back, you're like I'm not worried about that necessarily because the offense, like we said, sort of in totality, the offense has been acceptable for like the last couple of weeks. Um, it'll be better. Inevitably, when Collins comes back, but the whole, the whole, the whole theory of this team being competitive this year was the offense being average or better. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and like league average or better, probably even better than that. And because we we knew coming into the year that they weren't going to stop anybody. It's been worse than I thought it was going to be, but even then, like we again we we knew, and there is that solace in Collins because it was a five game sample, but he was awesome defensively early in the season. So I don't know, man. Like it's just really it's just, it's not really hard to talk about this in some ways it's also important to just say it out loud sometimes that if you play lineups with Troy Young at the point and Jabari Parker at the four and Damien Jones at the five you're just never gonna stop anybody that's not really that hard to figure out <laughs> like it's just not gonna happen there's nothing you can do like I I always find it funny there's just people that there's just people on Twitter and stuff that say didn't they draft Hunter and Reddish for defense and it's like well yeah they're actually playing pretty good defense <laughs> it's not them that's the problem
1: <laughs> on the, de- yeah, on the it's, it's- you know, then, and again, damian has been better on that end. He recently, has, but, but he's
0: not, he's not, I mean, even he has been better. I, don't, I totally agree with you. But if you pair him with Jabari and if you pair him with Trey Young and pick and roll defense, like it's just not going to work. And that's, goes back to all the stuff that we've, that, that we've been saying re- repeatedly repeatedly here. So defensively, there isn't all that much hope, but offensively, I think there actually is. Um, I wanted to ask you before we, I, I promise we're going to get to Bruno because that's coming. Um, what do you make of he- of Kevin Herter so far this season? Obviously, he's had a couple of like false starts when he's been rusty and not as aggressive. Like the first game back, he was really timid, and he's had a couple good games since then. But. What do you make of him? Because obviously he got the late start. It's kind of been a lost season for him in some respects, but we're still early and he's had some moments. And I, have, I feel like I haven't talked about him a ton. I know I talk when to talk about games, but like with guests, I haven't gone into Herder very much because he just hasn't been around. So what do you make of where he is right now? Are you seeing what you need to see from Kevin Herter?
1: I mean, I like the physicality he's playing with on defense. Uh, it's not, he's not bringing it consistently on offense um, where he's, again, letting bad defenders off the hook. Uh, too often but you know his playmaking has been huge he's he's probably the best you know he's the best backup point guard the Hawks and asked for Um, he's been pretty good in that role Um, I would like him again to attack the rim more but that's under it's understandable that you know he's coming back and he's not doing that with you know his injury so uh, yeah overall I've been pleased um, but you know you Again, I just like to see more. I like to see him not on a minutes limit. I hope um, that's going to
0: come to an end pretty soon. I think with the day off, he was obviously not going to play more on Wednesday than he was on Tuesday with the back to back. It just doesn't help. That's not how that works. But I think he might play more starting Friday. Um, I'm guessing because it's all about the training staff. Like people were upset that he didn't play in the overtime, and it's like guys, it's the training staff's going to tell Lloyd Pierce what, what he can and can't do on that stuff. They've given Chelsea Lane and company a lot of power, and I understand why. So. I get that they needed him in the overtime. I really do understand that, and I get it. But he has a number, and they're going to follow it. It's frustrating, I know, but um, I think he'll be playing more in the near future. I would guess now that he's starting to like. I think they have at least some hope that he'll be at full strength sooner
1: rather than later. So yeah, and and, and and again, I I really like the physicality he's playing with on defense. Um, that's something he didn't do. Last season, he's starting to do it now. So that's that's been a positive. It you know it hasn't um, hasn't correlated with you know positive team defense, but that's not really again. It's
0: not it's not the wings that are the problem, honestly. Yeah, the wings have not been. It's not that they're great. I mean, I am. I've been saying a lot that Cam's been pretty good on defense. I totally agree with that, and I feel I still think it. DeAndre's been fine. Uh, Kevin is fine. I, the problem is like the wings are not the problem. It's that they're not game changingly good most of the time, like, and with the other weaknesses they have elsewhere at the point. But you're
1: act. not you're not going to be game changingly good. No. as a perimeter defender, if you don't have any help behind you.
0: Oh, I'm am t- telling you right now. Even even if they had, pick your two favorite. Like we'll say uh, Paul George and we'll we'll just say Kawhi and Paul George. If you threw Kawhi and Paul George on this team defensively right now, with everybody, just replace them. Those two guys with um, replace them. With Hunter and Reddish, this still this still wouldn't be a good defense. Uh, man, they <laughs> it'd be better. Maybe no, I mean it'd obviously be better. I'm not saying it wouldn't be, but would Ooh, they be a top five defense? Try Young
1: with no. those two though. Hold up. Okay, so, all, okay. So offensively is.
0: is another thing. I'm, I'm saying just just defense. I'm trying Actually, to
1: say. I don't know, man. I don't know. I you know.
0: Okay, I probably I picked, the, I, I picked the wrong weigh. example.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they're a bit too good. Well, it is um, easier. To, it's also they, easy.
0: It's also easier to guard but, when you're you, when you're but here's scoring every possession. Here's the
1: thing. Here's the thing: you have those two guys. You know, the wings have been like Reddish and Hunter have been good in isolation as individual defenders, and relatively positive as team. I think defenders.
0: Cam's been good as a team defender, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. Like he's he's long and uh, he's long and active and just kind of in the way. And I think that's if you if you are buying Cam, like in terms of basketball IQ and feel, his defense is where you buy it right now. Because offensively, it's a mixed bag. Defensively, he's been pretty adept already as a young, as a very young rookie, which is good. Um, but I mean, but I,
1: this, this is this is where I, I say like you, you get you know guys of that caliber, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I aim, they know I how to aim, Probably aim too high. No, but <laughs> no, but here's here's my point. Like Reddish and Hunter don't know how to affect the game on defense. Entire like they don't know. Like they, they they make lapses on defense too. Like they have lapses in judgment, and that's stuff that won't oh, yeah. happen if you have, it is what it is. You know, veterans, and like the defense would be a lot, be- significantly better if you had two wings of that caliber. Where all of a sudden now, not only not only would they help while the play is going on, they they would help you know during timeouts or during just you know getting guys in the right direction, telling them what to do. Like it's. It's a, right now, it's just a bunch of young guys trying to figure it out together as a unit without anybody as a defensive backbone except for, yep. you know, Alex Lynn, who <laughs> it really has been the only guy who kind of knows. And Alex you know, Lynn, to,
0: I mean, and I, I, you and I have been high on Alex Lynn's defense. Alex Lynn is not Rudy Gobert. Like he's, exactly. Alex Lynn's a good defender. He's not an elite rim-protecting, you know, great backline defender like he just looks Agreed. better on this team because he's the only one <laughs> but uh he's not like incredible defensively he's fine and very solid but yeah to your point I mean the rookies are gonna have like, issues they're they're still rookies and I that's important to point out sometimes like when I say they're, they've been pretty good on defense I, I do mean that but they're still rookies that make mistakes because they're rookies and that's part of the reason why this team's not winning right now is that they're playing a bunch of guys who are rookies and second year guys who are overwhelmed and it's just what it is
1: yeah, and so, you know, the question is, you know, I, I don't know. I guess it, this might be because this is something I've been ruminating over. It's like, do, do you possibly trade for a Steven Adams or sign, you know, next offseason Andre Drummond to a big contract? Because if, they, if the Hawks draft James Wiseman, he might be good he's not, he's going to be a dumb rookie too. Like, oh, yeah. not, I mean,
0: there's, there's not a single player. I mean, especially at center, you are not going to find a guy in this draft particularly, but in most drafts, you're not going to find a rookie center that can play that can actually help you win. Like even the guys who were last year was supposed to be this great big man class. And there were guys who had good seasons. DeAndre Ayton had a bunch of numbers last year. He, he didn't, he didn't help them win because he couldn't play defense. And it's not a shot at DeAndre Ayton. Like most most guys as rookies at center, or really anywhere, but especially at center, are not going to help you on defense. They're just, even if they're guys who were supposed to be good defenders, which he really wasn't, you just don't find guys who step into the league at seven feet tall and immediately know what they're doing as a backline option defensively. It's just really, really, really hard. And there are very, very few exceptions to that. And I don't think Wiseman yeah. is one. I mean, Wiseman's a defense-first prospect that might be a monster on defense, but as an 18, 19-year-old... He's not going to just suddenly fix your defense. It's not going to happen.
1: Agree. And so, like the question is, you know, if if you don't draft that guy, if you don't, if the Hawks don't draft Wiseman, what do they do at center? I think that's going to be an interesting topic of discussion because it's clear with how this team is formulated, they need a, you know, a great defensive center on this team. Even with John Collins' improvement, like they're still going to need somebody to clean up you know, to allow Cam Reddish to gamble more and be more of a playmaker on defense. like I mean, that. They've been like very you, clear, you.
0: too, that Collins is not going to be a full-time center. They are very, very clear about that. So at some point, are you going to use John Collins as a small ball center 10, 12, 15 minutes a game? Yeah, maybe. But you have to have a guy to play center the other 30 minutes. And that's what they don't have right now. They have Alex Lynn is a good backup center. And he's by far your best center. So it's like that's not a situation that's going to be, I mean, and honestly, you you mentioned the guys who were always talked about, your Drummonds, your Adams, because the other guys that are on the market, with the potential exception of Derek Favors, who's a local product, are offense guys. Like Montrez Harrell, people like that fit. I mean, that's that's a terrible fit. Montrez Harold can't play defense. Like he's an awesome offensive player, but if you sign Montrez Harrell to a big contract, you're never getting a stop ever in your life. Like you're just never going to get stops. And it'd be it'd be fun on offense. They'd be awesome on offense with him him and Collins and Trey. I mean, yeah, great, but that's a popular notion now. Like I saw some people that I think are smart talking about Montres Harrell. Like, guys, you don't need Montres Harrell. That's not the player that you need when you have John Collins. Like, if they if they didn't have Collins, yeah, sign montres Harrell to be John Collins <laughs> on offense. Agree. Yeah, but, and
1: you already got and you got like Jabari Park is p- with how he's playing, probably going he's gonna be it. Yeah or Which, they're going to be able to resign him to a reasonable contract. Yeah. If they, if they want him back, out.
0: they probably will be able to get him if they want him. But yeah, it's just, you know, the options that you mentioned, particularly Adams and Drummond are the guys I, that I hear about all the time that I've talked about. Adams is, is a trade guy, whereas Drummond's going to be a free agent. And if it's not them, you know, if free agent market is not terribly robust, you got Marcus all is going to be available. He's older than you'd want and doesn't ever shoot the ball anymore. Um, I like favors, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy this year. He's had some stuff, hasn't been great when he's played. And everybody else's offense are basically offensive guys. I mean, I don't want Hassan Whiteside. Like, there are guys on this list that it's like you don't want these guys to be your starting center. So right. they're in a position where they have to figure that out. That's not a secret to anybody that's listening to his podcast, I'm sure. But that is a big decision that they have to make. Um, transitioning perfectly, I think. Bruno Fernando, Tyler, has uh, oh. bothered you? Because if anybody follows you on Twitter, you will—they will know that you're not high on Bruno at the moment. Um, I'm gonna—hopefully, you won't swear on my podcast. I'm gonna—I'm gonna have you open it up and talk about what you have not seen from Bruno lately because it's mostly garbage time. But when he has played, it's not been fantastic. I would say.
1: Well, it wasn't when he got in the Chicago game. It wasn't garbage time.
0: The first know, time, it his first
1: stint, yes, it wasn't garbage time, and then it became garbage time. <laughs> Because, because he was he in. <laughs> an and like, okay, I can I can get he doesn't know what to, where to do on the floor, where to be. That, that's one thing. My bigger issue with Bruno is that he's not playing hard. Uh, you can clearly see it in transition where he's not sprinting back, uh, where he's going after every offensive rebound, even though he doesn't have a chance. And the Hawks are just getting killed in transition when he's on the floor because he's not doing his job of getting back on defense and like he's when he's on defense he doesn't play with his hands up and i'm like what is this crap like this is the nba man uh, there are only there are only 30 teams 30 you know those 30 teams can only have 15 players there are only 450 players who are on an nba who could possibly be on an nba roster like, and you have one of those spots. There are hundreds of thousands of basketball players, you know, millions, you know, guys who dream to be in the NBA, dream to be in Bruno's position. And for him to come out there and not play hard is garbage. Like, that's, that's trash to me. Like, that's unacceptable. Like, I, I, I don't know how you motivate somebody, um, Play hard because that's that's something that should be a prerequisite um to play on the Hawks in particular. Like, you know, playing time's not guaranteed just because you were a second round draft. Especially since you were a second round draft pick. I was going to
0: say it's not as if he was a lottery pick as much as I know (laughs) Hawks fans liked him. He still was a second round pick, and you know, to be devil's advocate a little bit, I think part of the him not playing hard perception is that he just takes a long time to process things, so he just looks slow at times. There have been some moments where I agree with you, where it's looked, it's looked bad that he's not done certain things.
1: He's playing, he's playing too. He's playing like he's too cool, Brad. Like, there's a little bit of that. I agree. I mean, it's, I think it's a part bit, of it. It's a bit of. It's a bit of way too cool to be out here at the moment. While we're getting our heads.
0: Beat. Well, I was gonna say part of it is that maybe I'm. I'm. This is this is now me guessing, not reporting. I am guessing on this. I think maybe there are certain guys who have this. They have this problem, and I know that to be true, where if they're coming in in situations where the game is over or they're not playing in a high-level situation, they have trouble getting up for it and going. That might not be the case for Bruno. I don't know. I haven't asked Bruno about this, and I haven't heard that from anybody. But it is harder to take that when it's a second-round pick, trying to make his way in the NBA. That makes no sense to me if that is the case, because you shouldn't have a hard time playing hard if you're. I mean, I, I know he has a guaranteed contract for, for a couple of years, but still, he's not a, a, an established player. So that that's my generous interpretation is maybe he just has a hard time flying around when the game's kind of over. But he has pl- the thing is he has played in the rotation. Like he's definitely the third center, but Lloyd has put him in there regularly in the first halves of games. It's not like he's only playing garbage time. He's he's not Chandler Parsons, where he's only playing when the game's over. Bruno has played real minutes in. I would say most games, not every game, but most games this season, he's been in the rotation at some point.
1: And, and there've been games where he's played well. Yes, um, no, certainly. He's had a couple of games where he's been legitimately helpful to me, and this, athletic. And this forceful. is this is a Chicago. This is purely the game against Chicago.
0: He was not um, good on Wednesday. where the
1: effort was clearly <laughs> not there, and it infuriated me because, like, there's no way the Hawks should have lost to the Bulls by thirty, and they did. And you know, uh, Kirsner of the uh, of the Athletic, he tweeted about how the Hawks shouldn't lose by thirty, and it's unacceptable. And I tweeted back, well, like w- when you put in a center that flat out's not running back on defense, you're going to get blown out even more. Yeah, like I mean, that's going to happen. The right? whole
0: game, the whole game Wednesday was such. It was a hard one to talk about because there were so many competing factors. Like I told everybody on Monday that they were going to have a hard time on Wednesday because of the schedule. It was a brutal spot, but you also can't come out and lose by 34 to the, to the bulls. Like there, there's a place in the middle. If they had lost that game by 15 points and were competitive, I wouldn't have added an eye because they were supposed to lose that game. They were not favored. The schedule was brutal. That's one of those nights in the NBA that you're supposed to lose, but you can't lose by 30 plus to the bulls. The bulls are not good. Like I was wrong about the bulls. The bulls are bad. And, You were right, by the way. Uh, But it's a situation where the effort stuff there, it just looks so bad. I mean, they lost the game, and Lloyd said this, they lost the game at the end of the first half with the 10-0 run. That's what ended the game. And I agree with that assessment, because they were down by four, and then suddenly it's 14, and you're you're down 14 at the half with no legs, and you just had no chance to come back. I totally get that. But man, that last, I don't know, 18 minutes was just brutal. Like, by almost everyone, but Bruno coming in fresh and not having the workload that everybody else had and no, not having the excuse of, ha- of having no legs, I, I can see why it bothered you as much as it did. Like, I don't get that fiery about most things these days, but I, I definitely understood where you were coming from because it is frustrating to see a young guy who should, have, who should have fresh legs and who has not played a ton of minutes come in there and seemingly not be giving it much. That's tough.
1: And, I mean, that just speaks to... Another issue that they've missed, John Collins, is that he's also the team's energy guy, too.
0: He plays hard all the time, almost to his detriment. Like, down 35, John will be flying into people, and, like, I'll be scared that he will be getting hurt. That's been a problem that I've literally said out loud, and it's not like, problem is the wrong word. Like, John only has one speed, which is great. He just plays so hard all the time. He flies around and his body gets thrown around on the ground. That's why he could be prone to uh, an ankle here or there, because he's like, always going hard. But you're right. They need – you know, Vince is a great vocal leader. Vince is 42, and it's not the same thing as seeing your second-best player flying around. Like, that's a, diff- that's a different kind of leadership in some ways. And around,
1: Flying around when you're down 20, and there's, you know, 10 minutes left to go in the basketball game. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. For, chance. Like, there's – and a good player. There's I mean, value in other guys seeing that level of effort and picking it up. Now I'm not saying again, on the whole, the team is playing hard. I agree. They're not executing, and they don't have the personnel like that. That is so obvious. I think they, they just don't have the personnel. Oh, that was a stupid foul by Ben Simmons. Um, but it it's just so obvious they don't have. You know, <laughs> Lot, the li- li-
0: live tweeting the
1: uh, the game yeah. game on the podcast. Yeah, it, it was a it was an incredibly dumb foul by Benson. It's like I don't know what <laughs> what he thought, but um, it's uh, it's just like they they don't have the personnel, so that's one thing. But they also don't have like that just that straight up energy guy who will just make stuff happen outside of Bembry. And you know, Bembry hasn't been playing recently, and that's with the shooting wells of this team that might be for the best. Uh, and so, like. Oh yeah, well, actually, let's let's do that real on. quick.
0: I was gonna ask you about that. that. That was on my list that I forgot to ask you. Are you so you're okay with Bembry not playing because it's it's a, it's a tough spot. Like we're back where we were now in like September when we were talking about mm-hmm. this. When I was like, are we sure Bebry's gonna play? And people were not sure, and I wasn't sure. But then they had the Crab injury and everything, and the Herder injury, and suddenly Deanna was playing 35 minutes a game in some in some spots. But now we're back to basically it's Crab versus Benbury for that fourth wing spot. And it's been the last few games. Are you okay with that?
1: No, I'm not okay because Bimbri should be playing over Vince Carter. Like, period. I don't I, care. I, he's
0: better no, than Vince. It's, it's probably I positional, I, I would imagine.
1: I don't care about this positional nonsense because Vince Carter is so bad on defense.
0: That <laughs> I, honestly, the they, only I, I'm I'm kind of with you, the only thing that I will say about this is that they don't seem to want to play the young guys at the four for whatever reason. I think. Part of that's just, like, that gives them more that they have to think about and do. But that's the only thing, like, they have not wanted to play... Like, Hunter is a very obvious power forward candidate as a small ball kind of thing. They've not wanted to do that a whole lot, and I wonder if that's just because they don't want to put that more on him. But I agree. Like, obviously, I think once Collins comes back, I'm expecting Vince to not play, and I would hope that those minutes go to memory if there are minutes. Like, Lloyd has been a little bit inconsistent with the... Rotation stuff because like he said a couple times on the record that he does not want to play 11 12 guys, and then he'll go out and do that for a week straight. And I don't really know what to make of that. But you have the three wings that are definitely going to play every night, and that's Herder, Hunter, and uh Reddish. And then you have Crab as your offense option, you have Bembridge as your defense option. Vince is playing this hybrid 3-4 role, but he's the backup four right now because they don't have anybody else. I'm with you. Like it is frustrating that. Vince would be playing over Bembry because Bembry is a better player. But I don't know if that's going to change between now and December 23rd when Collins was back. Um, it, I mean,
1: something might change because, I mean, Vince has just been so brutal. They they, 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 like, they
0: they just, like for better or worse, they just trust Vince. I mean, at the end of the day, I know that's frustrating, but I having been around the team quite a bit, they trust Vince more than they should on the court. Because they just know that he's Vince Carter, and he does the right thing, and he's the leader. I think that if he's playing the way he has been playing, it's tough. But they give Vince the benefit of the doubt. Vince has played crunch time a bunch of different times this year when he probably shouldn't have been playing. Because they trust Vince. They just trust him to do the right thing, whether that's right or wrong. Like the other night about the defense thing that we talked about earlier, why he was on the court. I think he was on the court because they just trust Vince. It's just like, oh, Vince is is the best option we have, even though he's not. But and I'm not trying to kill Vince Carter. Vince is a legend. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just that right now, he's not great. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think it's really, it really it just comes down to the fact that they trust him to be on the court more than they should. And that's... I understand why. But you're right. is a better player. Benbury's a better player than Vince. And all things equal, it doesn't make a lot of sense that you would... Basically... Bembry was not going to play on Wednesday. He got in late because of the blowout, but that was clearly going to be his first DMP of the season. He was not going to get in the game. And I don't I don't love that. I understand it, but I don't love it.
1: Yeah, me neither. Um, you know, Bembry has his flaws as a basketball player, but... Yes. You know, they... They get magnified, I mean, too,
0: because, I mean, you know this, but... There have been a couple of late game situations where he when he's gotten shots blocked or missed missed layups and that makes that's all people remember about Membry. Like he there was one game a couple weeks ago where he played I thought he played awesome.
1: Yeah. For most of the for most of the he, night
0: and he and he blew it at the end. And it was like, Oh, Membry sucks. And it's like, no, he played well. He just yeah, messed up at the end.
1: <laughs> and he always mess he he has a way of messing up in the clutch. He does. Like it's he did not, it last season too. And it's hard it's hard to defend him. Because he just turns his brain off when when the you know when the minutes matter most and it's frustrating. But uh, even with that, I, I think Lloyd was just I mean he's just trying to find something uh, from the bench unit. I, I think he found he he figured out how to fix the offense somewhat by playing Herter along with you know Crab just get as much shooting as possible and that comes at the detriment of Embry. And you know with how well you know Camp. Cam is defensively, you know, Cam kind of kind of taken Bembry's role as that defensive, you know, perimeter player.
0: And by the way, it wasn't only Bembry; they've now they've now taken Turner and Bembry, who are the two non shooters, and stopped yeah. playing them at the same time. And,
1: and that that I mean that just had to happen. Um,
0: yeah, Turner Turner's easier to understand because a he's expiring contract, b he can't
1: really move anymore. He can He has no like Evan Turner clearly has no lift. Well, as soon as as soon as you going? took
0: Hunter, I'm sorry, as soon as you decided that Herter was the backup point guard, that means Turner can't play because that's the yeah. o- that's the only value Turner has to you right now, and that's yep. that's nominal anyway. But as soon as he's not on the ball, he's unplayable. That's just the way it is.
1: So, yeah, yeah, and so you know it's going to be tough for Benbury to find, you know, tough for Pierce to find minutes for Benbury as long as Crab is going to continue to make shots.
0: And he likes Bembry, uh, too. Pierce likes Bembry, like, flat out. He always has. He's always given him chances. He's played him a lot at certain times. Like, I think Pierce is kind of disposed to playing Bembry. So it was noteworthy when he stopped playing him, because I just know that Lloyd likes Bembry. It's not anything like—I mean, I mean, maybe it's personal, too, but I, I think he just likes the energy and the way that he defends. It's just—yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at your roster and think that you need Alan Crabb shooting— like is is Crab a better player than memory? I'm not sure.
1: But Crab
0: Not in my shoot. not in
1: not for me, but they, yeah. they need at at this time at this point in time of this this team desperately just needed needed the offense without Trey Young to just not be the worst in the NBA. It just need like they, they had to they have to fix that somehow. And Pierce was like, All right, I'm just gonna stop playing non shooters. Like outside of the center position. Like I'm just going to play my best shooters and try to figure it out on defense. So we'll we'll see with Bembry. That that's gonna be something to monitor. It is. Um, to me, like I would like if you know to me I you know, I would think about trading Bembry for some big men help. Um, you know, for an energy four or how much, you know,
0: how much value does he have is a question that I have.
1: There are to me, there are teams that could use a perimeter defender.
0: Yeah, like, probably. I, I just think you have just, to kind of
1: yeah, aim low. It, He's yeah, expiring yeah,
0: yeah. too. Like, I, I like Membry. I always have. But if you put him on the market, you have to kind of get lucky with a team that needs that exact player because he is so flawed and needs certain things to happen for him. You just aren't going to get that much back. I, I'm with you. that They should probably at least look at it, particularly if they're not going to try to re-sign him. And you know, Schlenk didn't draft Bembry. I don't really know what they think in the front office. I know Lloyd likes him, but the front office may not. If they don't have the if if Schlenk is not a Bembry guy and does not want him back, you have to at least try to trade him because otherwise, why is he staying on the team? Like you have to try to get some value if if, if you don't want to sign him. If you want to keep him around for after this, then that's that's something different, and you probably get him a little bit cheaper because he's not because he's not playing as, as funny as that is. Um,
1: but I w- I oh. W- I w- I w- I don't know. It's I go back and forth. I would keep memory uh, just because he... Like, at some point, the Hawks have to start keeping these guys. Well, if
0: you get an injury, uh, like, he's suddenly going to play yeah. 30 minutes a game. Like, that's yeah. what that's what just happened. He, he just played 25 to 30 minutes a game for three, four weeks. Like, they, they needed him desperately when Herder was gone, where he was starting games and playing 35 minutes a night sometimes. Like, they, they're one injury away from him absolutely needing to play again. And they do trust him. I mean, they play him all the time when they need to. So... Yeah, I, I wouldn't be like eagerly trying to trade him, but this is it's not really a trade team right now. It's kind of funny as much as the reporting came out from Shams that they were going to get Trey Helper whatever that whole thing was. This yeah, is not a team that's really set up was. to trade right now. Like Jabari is the only guy on the roster that has positive trade value that you would actually trade. <laughs> um or may, or may even trade cuz obviously all the, all the young guys do, but you're not going to trade any of, the young, any of the young guys. So it's like they're either going to do a big move to trade for someone with a big salary like Adams or something like that. And that's basically going to center around the expiring contracts like Parsons or or Crab or Turner. Or it's like a smaller move with maybe selling on Jabari, but I can't imagine they they're, they're, they're going to do that. So it's it's a team that's kind of strange to talk about. We we can hold the trade stuff for later cuz there'll be plenty of time, I think. But I just thought of that like there's not really an obvious move to make <laughs> other than if you just love Stephen Adams. Because Yeah, the
1: Adams Adams' move is probably the only one that. Or it's, it's just so obvious. Like it's just been sitting out
0: there for almost a year now. We've been talking about this since, at least, since the summer. It's just both teams are kind of aligned. Oklahoma City is looking to sell and rebuild because they already are. The Hawks are still rebuilding, but Adams is young enough where that one makes some sense. They have the matching salary with Parsons. That's like almost the exact same amount. Like it has every single thing that you would want. I just don't know if they want to do it or not. I've not heard that from anybody inside the organization. I just heard the people like us talking about it. So who knows? I mean,
1: I'd rather have him than, you know, pay Drummond on the free agent market. What, well, that, that's, take that, to get him? that's the thing about Adams it, but, but is that my, Adams is a lot of, my,
0: it's a lot of money, but it's also a short, it's also a shorter contract. So there's less risk with Adams. Like if he, he's not been as good lately. I don't know if that's system or what's going on there, or if he's just getting a little bit older, but with him, you're getting him locked into a salary. It's an overpay, but it's that versus, you know, a guy like Drummond's the obvious one on the free agent market. It's going to take probably the max to get honor Drummond to leave Detroit.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't go past 30 mil for Drummond. It's a lot of um, money. And he's probably going to get over 30 million. So it's like, you know, it's tough, but even if, if, man like this team if they got somebody like adams or drummond like either or, now all of a sudden you have a strength at the big man position where you know you keep lynn as well all of a sudden you you you're you're getting from your four four or five guys just physicality that that is sorely missing from this team like they they just not they like damian jones just isn't that physical presence that you know a a stephen adams would be and he would Steven Adams defensively would just relieve so much pressure for a lot of these guys. Um, and like the team would play better, but I don't know. That's that's long-term speculation that who knows.
0: Yeah. And we'll come back to that, I'm sure, in the future. All right, before I let you get out of here, man, we've gone long as always between you and I. Um, this weekend is tough for the Hawks. Friday against the Pacers. Um, is winnable, I will say. I'm not the biggest Pacers guy. I'm skeptical of, of Indiana. So that, that's a winnable They should have beat them
1: last time. Yep.
0: Yeah, uh, Trey, Trey had 49 in Indiana when they lost to them in overtime. And they lost.
1: Oh, see, that's why people are frustrated. Yeah. Like that. <laughs>
0: to bring things full circle to our conversation at the very beginning of this podcast, that was probably the number one encapsulation of that, when Trey has 49 points and you lose. Um... But that happened in Indiana last time. That was a competitive game. The Hawks can certainly beat the Pacers. They're not going to be favored to beat the Pacers, but they certainly could win that game. And then Sunday against the Lakers, that's a tough spot. The Lakers are playing great, and uh, it'll be a Lakers home game in Atlanta, I would imagine, as it almost always is. That's a tough spot. Uh, But... Anything you're looking for? I know Collins is the big thing. That's as we record this, it is December 12th, so we're 11 days away from John Collins, from John Collins returning, and uh, that's the game that everybody, everybody has circled. But in the meantime, anything you're looking for that we ha- that we haven't talked about?
1: Just want to continue to see positivity from Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter um, on a you know night to night basis. Just want to continue to see them grow as basketball players, particularly Reddish for how bad he was to start of the season, like he's been. He's been a lot better since his 23-plus yes. point explosion. He has been. Um, and so, I, you know, you just want to see more consistency from him. Uh, and then, you know, everybody stay relatively healthy so that when, you know, John Collins comes back, we can actually see what this team was supposed to look like. Um, I Even with the frustration that I've had, um, I still feel confident that the Hawks are going to probably go on an extensive run once John comes back, because the schedule just gets a whole lot easier. Um because they're they're about to they're about to plateau on the good teams to play on the season. Like they kind of played most of them. Um yeah, the, and,
0: the schedule is much easier, even even with this weekend included. Like Brad, they
1: haven't played the Wizards. Have they played the Cavs? Um no, I don't,
0: they, don't think they, they No, they they played Cleveland once, I think. I'm looking at the schedule now. They no, they haven't. They have not played Cleveland or Washington, and they played New York. No, they didn't. That was preseason game. They so, didn't yeah. play New York. They haven't played New York, Washington, or Cleveland yet, who are the other three teams that are, are – I mean, other than Golden State, who they did beat. Um, I
1: don't think they've played any of the bad, the bad bad West. They haven't played the Grizzlies. They haven't played – No, I mean, the schedule
0: – I mean, we, we've been saying it all season long, but the schedule is easy now. I mean, it's not – the comically easy part is the second half. Like, there's still a, uh, a stretch coming up where they have to play – Orlando, Boston, Indiana, Denver, Houston, back to back to back to back in January. That's a tough one. That, that, that's that's a tough one. But after yeah, that, but they have
1: John Collins now. So they will
0: like, I mean, from January 10th on, I believe last time I checked, the Hawks have easy, easy schedules in, in, in the league from January 10th on. So they're already through the gauntlet for the most part. But um, and after this weekend, I mean, I, I might I might run the numbers again if you go if you go past the Lakers game. It's still very easy because you have the Knicks, you know, Utah struggling. That's a home game. You got Brooklyn, Cleveland. You got got to to play Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a gauntlet. But um, yeah, I mean, the schedule is what it is. There's basically one stretch the rest of the season where they have like more than two games that are tough in a row. Every other time, they have some winnable games on the schedule. So that will help. By the way, looking ahead, I pulled this up since we're talking about it. In March, this is a schedule stretch for the Hawks. You ready for this? Memphis, Washington, Memphis, Charlotte, New York, Cleveland, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Washington.
1: See, and this is why the NBA has to balance the schedule because that's just, and that's why, before like they the season might started, they legit might win ten games in a row to end the season, and it's like that's what I'm, I mean. That's coming into well, the year.
0: This is what we're talking about, though. Like early in the season, it was like even I was kind of I think higher than a lot of people were on the final record for this team. And it was because I was like, look, guys, they're going to be better than they were early on in March. And the schedule in March is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. They literally play, in the month of March, they will have two tough games in the entire month. They have to go to Philly and to Utah. That's it. Every other game in March, they'll either be favored or like a three-point underdog
1: for a month. And that's, the, and that's the thing with this team it's like... They're not going to sit their stars. Their stars are the young guys, so they're going to play. Same thing as last year. So it gonna... last
0: year. They pushed all the way to the end, all the way the game well, <sighs> game, game eighty two. Oh they pulled the plug on Trey, but until then, they played the guys and they won a bunch of games.
1: <laughs> it's going to happen again. Yeah, it's going to happen again. We're going to be like, oh man, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if John wasn't hurt, they they'd be in prime. For- like how many? I, I okay, contend, I contend the Hawks will be in prime position. Well, I was going to say how many games for that like, run in I, the second half, and I and I still believe it, just because I'm not a believer in the magic. I am not either. I mean, the uh, only reason why
0: I don't think that the Hawks are going to make a real push is that they have to get to like 36 wins, and that is you have to go. What, what's the pace?
1: This, what's the pace for that? Well, I'm looking pace?
0: now. I'm looking now. You have to. You have to finish. Uh, thirty-six and forty-six. You have, finish, you have to finish thirty and twenty-seven from this point forward, and if you that's lose doable. if you lose these next two, it's thirty and twenty-five. That's 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 tough. It's not impossible.
1: That's still doable because of how well Trey Young is playing. Yeah, that, that's, and, and that's my point. Is like if Trey no, Young I'm, keeps this up, because I know what John Collins is going to give me. Yeah, he's going to give me twenty ten, and you know much better defense than Vince Carter or Jabari Parker. And so that's <laughs> going to be a massive upgrade. Like they're going, they're going they're going to, they, their massive trade is going to be getting John Collins for the rest of the season. And like, to me now, now the Hawks are an actual problem because now teams can't just trap Trey young. We didn't even touch about Rusillo's tweet. Oh my God. I don't,
0: I don't, I don't want to. Cause we, we all know anybody that's actually watching the Hawks knows. That's all I'll what say the, about that. What? um I I do want to say like I I do the every couple days I've I've done this thread on Twitter for the last two seasons about all these projection systems I think the only one and I've said this before on, on Twitter I'll say it, I'll say it here the only one that I think is even remotely accurate is 538 and they're sitting at like 29 wins on there with like a with like an eight percent playoff chance that feels right to me I think maybe th- low 30s is, is, is still attainable you know is it impossible that they can make the playoffs no and I think there are these systems that are like, oh, they have a less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. I don't I don't believe that. I really don't. Because because of the schedule and because of Collins, I think it's probably like 10%, but it's live. I mean, as long as they don't get into a hole. Like, you know, okay, they have how many games before Collins comes back? They play five more times? Yeah. If they don't go 0 5, you're frisky. You know what I mean? If you're not 6 24, you you can't be 6 24. That's that's too much of a hole, I will say. But you play the Knicks in this stretch. That's a game even on the road that you can certainly win. You could beat Indiana. I think Utah is gettable right now. You won't be favored, but you can get them. And then Brooklyn on the road—that's gettable too. So, just don't go 0-5 in, in the next five. Would be my my advice to you if you want. If, if if you're a Hawks fan that wants to sweat some playoff stuff in March and April, is and don't, go, sweat don't go playoff don't stuff. go 0-5 this and the next two weeks before Collins comes back. That's all you have to do. Just just win one. Two, they, too, they too just need the two. But. Yeah, if they win two games, then we can have major. Just if, if you're if you're six and twenty four, Tyler, I am I'm someone who's been high on the schedule, and, and I just read the March schedule to you. But six and twenty four, it's probably over.
1: I have to I have to be honest. That March schedule, man, that's that's ten wins in the bag. I want
0: I want to <laughs> read it again. It's so ridiculous that I wanted to read. I want to read it again. I'm doing it. I'm doing it one more time. Memphis, Washington, Memphis, Charlotte, New York, Cleveland, New Orleans. Oklahoma City Washington then they put then they put uh, at Philly that's that's tough then Golden State Sacramento and then they play New Orleans
1: like, Golden State oh my God it's like, unbelievable what so what why does the NBA do this I'm not being
0: funny it's, and I, I've been tracking it this all, shouldn't be
1: this way honestly. I've been tracking it this all should year not long be this way
0: the Hawks have been favored one time this year one time in Vegas they've been favored one guy, one time they might be favored. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine games in a row. I'm not saying they're gonna be, but if they're playing well by then and John's cooking, they might be favored nine times in a row. They've been favored once this season. Once, oh, man,
1: it's in a rough <laughs> schedule.
0: It has. No, I'm just saying that's a good way to end it. I think, but uh, yeah. Stay tuned. The season's not over. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, Tyler, please tell people wh- wh- where, they, where they can find you. I know you appear with Kevin on a semi-regular basis. Uh, I know you're busy these days, but what's going on in your life? Share, share with people where they can find your stuff, man.
1: Yeah, you can find me at jonesy2x4 on Twitter. Currently, I'm not tweeting as much just because work sucks.
0: Well, during, during games, work. you're active. I'll tell you. I can, I can well, yeah,
1: that. Well, yeah, because I'm home. And I have time. It's my free time. At work, I, I can't. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. But uh, you can find me there. I usually have anime and video game takes, but it's kind of been it's kind of been dry um, during this time, just due to a variety of issues. Uh, but it, that should pick up soon. But yeah, that's where you can find me on Twitter, and then you can hear me uh, rabble with Kevin Kale Shinar on Twitter over Shots at ATL twenty nine um you know i'll probably be on another podcast within the week or so depending on on what the schedule looks like but uh it, it was tough to get me on here i, I found some time for you guys we did yeah i locked on uh and uh <laughs> it's good it's good to be back and it's good that you guys followed us all the way through here but uh yeah jonesy2x4 on twitter is where you can find me.
0: check out tyler uh i always enjoy your in game takes, even when you're a lot angrier than I am, I, I usually understand why. So, and it makes me think of a, of a fonder time when I was melting down like that, when I was just when I was a fan that was getting mad, and I, I, I actually kind of miss it. So, it's good. Follow Tyler, uh, check out the 8TLN29 podcast because Kevin is a, a friend and also quite good at all of this stuff. And those guys have a good time over there. All right. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast. Again, follow Tyler. Follow me if you want to. And we'll see everybody after the game on Friday.